Welcome, and you're listening to Geekologist Radio, a division of Ninja Pancake Family and Podcasts. Hey, it's Christopher, and welcome to a special edition of Geekologist Radio, where we tackle Episode 7 of Season 7, the finale of Game of Thrones. In each of our spoiler casts for this season, we'll give you our initial impressions, we talk about the story, and every single major plot line and its location by location, and we give you our final thoughts, which includes hits along with misses. As always, we'll have theories, but let's introduce our panel for tonight's cast and get started. Let's talk to Jeff. Hey. Oh, man. It's been a long road, guys. Long seven weeks, and now now it's over. After this, no more Game of Thrones for a long time. Lots and lots of tears. Lots of tears. A year year away, for sure. The recording starts in October, but man, it's going to be uh, quite a long time. And then uh, who else we have on the cast is Derek. Yes, I'm here as well, too. And man, the hits and misses are really, really prevalent this week, so... uh, with getting the finale, getting the wrap-up, we get to really cover a lot of that stuff where it's just like, oh, I finally get answers to a lot of those theories that I've been just piling up. I was just stacking them like bricks. So let's get into our initial non-spoiler impressions. Uh, whoever would like to start. For me, this was just the longest episode in Game of Thrones history. So, But it was... Keyword there, Game of Thrones. This came back to a lot of what Game of Thrones was all about in every way, shape, and form. Uh, so that was it for me. Jeff? I I didn't feel like I was sitting there for an hour and a half, honestly. Like, it flowed very well. And lots of highs and lows and grabbing each other's hands and being like, uh, never mind, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For me, this this week's episode was a lot of exposition, and you know I love it, so I, I prefer that almost over the battle scenes, and also all very predictable. I they, I don't think this was Game of Thrones Cajun for me so much. As, I mean, I can see where you're saying it was Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. but for me, Game of Thrones is the unpredictability. It's always going left when everybody's expecting you to go right, and when we were expecting them to go left, they went left, and when we were expecting them to go right, they went right, except for one scene. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start really it, where most of this started. And I, I, I'd like I talked about about 45 to 50 minutes was in King's Landing. So let's go to King's Landing and talk about uh, the initial walk up to the Dragon Pit, which was like basically that, hey, how's everybody doing? Yeah, I like that because it's everyone getting along who are not supposed to get along. It was basically these odd couple pairings of people uh, chit-chatting and talking, walking up and getting along that I think we, we saw that walking north of the wall and I think we're going to see more of that to come because it just works so well with all these characters that are being forced together um, to fight one common enemy now. This was probably the largest scene since season one where all of those characters were in one spot at one time because Winterfell had a lot of those characters initially in episode one of season one but since then it, they've been dispersed. Uh, it was really nice to see them play off of each other. Oh, yeah. Uh, I liked seeing uh, the reunion of both Tyrion with Bronn, Tyrion with Podrick, uh, getting to see the Hound and Brienne back together. Mm-hmm. The, I thought I killed you, Look, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the Hound's proud papa 
look when they started talking about Arya. Mm-hmm. She can take care of herself, or however. The, yeah. uh, that's not the correct term, but yeah, Brienne basically saying like you don't have to worry about her anymore. So yeah, that was very yeah. good. I'm afraid for anybody that gets in her way. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not going to be me. <laughs> that was it. What What I love about that interaction is you can see the complete change in character of the Hound, because the Hound two seasons ago would have ripped her face off. And mm-hmm. it's now kind of like this sense of things are bigger than I am, especially since he saw the flame. And I, since that moment, he's really kind of, I mean, he's still gruff. I mean, the guy's always going to be gruff, but he's toned it down quite a bit. Oh, and yeah. the other thing I liked was the unsully when, when Bron and, or well, yeah, Bron and uh, uh, Jamie were standing at, at the top of the castle and they're looking down and the unsully are completely lined up. It's Danny flexing her muscles big time. Oh, this was just a huge Danny Danny flex the whole time. Like that, uh, having the Unsullied, uh, my wife put it really well. You have the discipline of the Unsullied all standing there in their rows, just single file. And then out of nowhere, just come all of the Dothraki all through them. And she has calm and chaos together, melded. So she's got the best of both worlds. I love the Dothraki. Anytime you can get them in a scene, I get all excited. I'm like, because those guys can just rip people's heads off. I love it. Yeah, but to me, it seemed like overkill. I understand the necessity of it in, in the show uh, and the nicety of seeing it in there, but the battle logistics of it, really, you're going to march your army all the way to here just for a meeting and then turn around and march them back. So it's not going to it's, it's not going to get into that, but at the same time, like you're really going to march your entire force halfway uh, across, well, not really halfway across, both sides across Westeros, and meet at King's Landing just for this. It's it, it seems like it's a bit much just for a meeting. But if you think about it, the Dothraki were already midway between anyway because they just took everybody out when they took out everybody in the, the train run. And oh, also, yeah, they were right there anyway. Yeah. Also, the Unsullied were stuck on Castle Rock, and once Euron left, it's they had no place else to go anyway. So it's, and they have so to, on, and they have to walk by King's Landing to get yeah, the dragon yeah. Anyway. So that so they were traveled back anyway. So I, I think that maybe she was just thinking, okay, let's. Also, it was more like I don't know if Cersei knows who I am. Let me show her a little bit. And it, when she came in, she came in on those dragons. I mean, the scene initially started with with Cersei just pissed off. The awkwardness in that first like two seconds where it's like, okay, so where's Danny? Like everybody's looking at their watch. Nobody knows what to say to each other. It's like, are we going to start this thing? Are we not going to start this thing? Where is she? And then she shows up on the dragon and obviously two dragons, but still she has all of her army. She has two dragons and she comes in on like a jet plane landing in the middle of this thing. Yeah. Especially in an arena that's made for dragons, you know, medieval helicopter, right? Yeah, and that was the point of it too, to show how big Drogon was compared to just that house is where all the dragons lived, or that pit is where all the dragons lived. Uh, to hit that point home of yes, all the dragons grew up small at that time because they were forced into this little area. They weren't allowed to grow up free, and then showing Drogon basically taking up the whole, almost the whole arena with his wingspan. The I like they panned back on that. They did the same exact thing last week, and I talked about it because it gave you a sense of awe and how big the the structure was. But they did the same exact thing in the arena. They they did a really they pulled back shot, and you got a really good sense of how big the dragon pit really was. And then later on, you get to see, and to your point, Cajun, how small the bones are of the little dogs, mm-hmm. dragons. I mean, it, it just Danny talks about it later on about how it dwarfs them. Uh, so they look really small in that area too. Yeah. Well, you also look at. Uh, the difference between uh, Viserion and Rhaegal uh, uh, to Drogon, 
and the size difference there because they were locked up for a bit. And, oh, and, and Drogon was free. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, and Drogon was free the whole time. Okay. So, so now one thing in the dragon pit though is we, on the walk we get to see all the people that aren't supposed that weren't normally getting along in a normal environment getting along, but in mm-hmm. the dragon pit we see the people who don't get along still not get along. <laughs> this straight, yeah. we get to see the hound in the mountain not get along. We get to see Euron and Theon not get along, and we get to see Cersei not get along with everyone. There was a couple of scenes in that dragon pit early on. The look that Tyrion gives Cersei when she walks up, if looks could kill. Uh, his he had just like a scowl on his face when he saw her and the other thing is is a question i wanted to ask you guys because i i could see this this going one of two ways when the hound says do you remember me you're even effing uglier than i uh than i am now this isn't how it ends for you you've always known yeah because the mountain is a white Mm -hmm. is he saying that meaning it doesn't end for you this way because i'm the one who's going to come after you or is it this isn't the way it ends for you because the Night King is going to be coming after you. No, because he's going to be coming. He's basically the Hound is, I'm not killing you now because this is a meeting of truce. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clegane Bowl is still going to happen. and I hope so. That'd be awesome. He, his, his goal is to kill his brother. And he doesn't see his brother as dead or a white level of dead. Uh, as more of kind of like a little bit dead. Sure. Yeah. So that's kind of his his play on that. Or his take on that is that his brother is not like these undead. Um, although he is decaying, you can see his, his face decaying more and more. He's not decaying mm-hmm. at the rate we would think uh, some of the other dead decay at that we can talk about more later. What I love about the character of Cersei is even when Danny arrives on those dragons, she looks unfazed as if it's not even a big deal. Almost, and then the lines that they give back and forth to each other, we've been waiting a while, you know, and Danny gives her that snarky, like, I'm so sorry. Like, it, mm-hmm. Cersei is always Cersei, uh, or Cer- Cersei is now, is now I'm how I'm learning it's, it's called after watching the end of Game of Thrones. It's Cersei, <laughs> um, is just always in her character. And she, you can see Tywin more and more in this, in this episode to me, she is like just exuberating Tywin Lannister. Yeah. And, for her, I think a lot of that confidence comes from her plan, because uh, mm-hmm. this was a couple of chess moves for her that we find out as the episode's going on. Uh, because I didn't buy Euron's being terrified there. I just didn't buy it at all. Uh, either the actor was doing it bad or I didn't get it, but apparently he wasn't because that was the right call. I, I, I saw correctly that he wasn't terrified because he was faking them out. And I think she knew her plan all along. And so to her, all of this doesn't matter because... She was going to let them go to to the north by themselves anyway. So she doesn't have anything to fear because I'm not going to face this army. This army is going to face whatever's in that box and more of them up there. What this does is proves a huge plot hole that we talked about last week. Why did they even go after this white? It meant nothing in the storyline. To to them, it exactly. it To the show writers, it meant that mm-hmm. scene. It meant giving, how do we get the Night King a dragon? Yes. And why does he get a dragon? And so they have to make all of these logic bomb jumps to get there. And the one thing about this episode, and we'll see this more in other things that happen, but this episode makes previous episodes of Game of Thrones this season uh, not as good. Even ones that we didn't like as much, 
how the quality of those episodes drop even more because now we know the payoff and the payoff was backwards writing is you were writing just for this and it for was one scene for one scene and in the in the in the entire logic of the show uh you weren't thinking it all the way through which is something George R. R. Martin does that yeah he does mm-hmm. take a long time to write no he takes too long of a time to write but a lot of reason he does take a long time to begin with is the fact that he works out these logic circles these logic things that say like an honest trailer will break down of, of a movie that has a plot bomb in it, he'll do that and then rewrite stuff to make it right. Right now, the writers of the show, uh, the showrunners, they're doing these scenes and writing backwards and leaving plot holes along the way because they're not thinking these things full circle. No, they see ideas and concepts and they're just trying to make a way to get to that concept. They needed all of these people to be in the same place at the same time. So how do we do that? We grab a light and that's what attracts everybody all in the same place at the same time. So Euron, um, in this scene, makes a snark comment to Tyrion about the dwarf comment. I, I laughed out loud, especially when they when they gave him the backhand after he made the comment. And he was like, yeah, when you have to explain your own joke, it's, you know, at that point, it's not even really a joke any longer. <laughs> so, you know, it, yeah. it was really I, I really appreciated it. But I also understood why he was doing that. But we didn't catch that until 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later. When Cersei explains why she why Euron is doing that, right? But it, he 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 boasts. He calls out Theon, says that that the, he has Lady Greyjoy, he has Yara, and that she pulls him back a little bit and says, you know, just shut the f up for a second. This is a adults are talking at, and children shouldn't be talking at the adult table. You know what I mean? So they put they move him aside. Uh, T- Tyrion begins to try to talk. John basically squashes all that and says, all right, open the box. Yeah, exactly. We're no, none of this stuff. All of this stuff doesn't matter. Once, once we see this white, then we're going to uh, finish our show, and then you can decide what to do after that. We're going to make the case that there's all these all of these people here, seeing what's up there now. It's not just one or two people. Um, and so at the end of it, they, they do what they wanted to do. They convince mm-hmm. Cersei that the Night King and his army are real. Um, yes. But her mind was made up on what she was going to do anyway, so it didn't matter. Jeff? Were any of you guys as nervous as I was that when he opened the box and it wasn't making any noises that it was already dead? Yep. I have it in asterisks. Like that silence and fear that held on the box was like, is that thing alive? Or is I knew the jump scare was coming. I, I felt like a jump scare was coming. And I, I, I didn't realize he was going to have to kick the box for that to occur. But man, I, I, it, it, and then the fact that he was able to have just enough leash he knew exactly how far to hold that thing back that was going to be like ten yards away from her, and then stop him. Yep, those are the two. Those are the two writing things. Like, yep. why do you even show the hound uh, hitting the box on the ship? Oh, because it makes a lot of noise to make you think that when the box is fully open, and all the noise is making, and it's not moving around, that uh, the thing's dead, and it was all for naught. And and in a, in other shows. We would have never thought that. It's like, no, this show is going to pay it off. In Game of Thrones, that is a very strong possibility. That thing could have just been dead. Like that guy he left it with outside was like, oh, there's a dead thing in there. And he kills it. And that basically ruins all of their chances of showing it off. Two things that happened during the scene that I really liked. One was Cersei has a point. Like I, At one point, I'm like, damn, she's right. Because when she complains and says at the moment she pulls back her armies and leaves herself wide open for attack, that's she's thinking like a captain. 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If she if she goes to help them, there's a good po- chance that Danny could go and just try to take over everything that she just you know pulled away from. So that does make sense. And two, Quiger not not even being phased one bit, open, holds the hand and starts looking at it like a, a guy that you know doesn't mind playing with dead things. Also, the fear in Cersei's eyes when that thing is charging her, she's just you can see she's like, oh yeah, this is. This is real. Mm-hmm. All right. I guess I was wrong this whole time. So at that next moment, Euron says, I'm getting the bleep out of here. And <laughs> I'm I'm heading right back to the Iron Islands. And can, he says, these things scares swim? the crap out of me. Can yeah. these things can swim? These swim? <laughs> he just gets in his car and bounces on He's out like, of town, man. We're out of here. And he makes exit stage left. Um, and the crown accepts the truth um, only till the dead are defeated. But the truth has one little asterisk next to it and that is john can't man up with anybody else he has to step down and just hang out in the north right and and everybody but john knew the correct answer the correct answer was i'm gonna stay up there because daenerys with her current force can win this fight hands down and john's like uh I, i bit the knee metaphorically in bed earlier and I want to bend it again even more so later. So, uh, no, I can't do that. And all, like, even worse for not for him doing that. Like, if Dwight would have been dead, I think it wouldn't have been even nearly as bad as what he did there. Jeff? Uh, I'm sorry. He didn't want to bend the knee at all. He wanted to stand at full attention. Yep. <laughs> wanted to pitch a tent. <laughs> yeah. Stay for a fortnight. <laughs> when Tyrion spins around and he's like, I appreciate you bend the knee, but for fuck's sake, can you learn to lie a little bit? Like, it was like, <laughs> I, I felt for him. I'm like, I agree, dude. Just shut the F up. I get your Ned's kid. I get it. And believe me, they used Ned's name a thousand times in this episode. Man, they brought Ned up a ton. For a guy that had less, than, again, had less than a half a season's worth of screen time, that dude gets brought up all the time. But John, he's just so. I I find it weird that he feels like he's so moral because I I think in, there's a ton of times where you can see he's not that moral, but he like for certain things, man, he just stands on his word. He really feels like you know whatever he says, that's gospel, and he cannot back, he can't back away from it. Right. Yeah, and yeah, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people, even his just his justification was solid at the end, but mm-hmm. a lot of people, uh, even on the internet, were just, "Come on, dude." <laughs> Yeah, two they things they that rallied around. Come on, dude, just to say the lie. Another thing was when, uh, man, the memes, the gif memes of Euron uh, getting out of there have, are prevalent all over the internet right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Well, There's I a think that, good. I think that like when he showed that he was questioning himself, he got stabbed three times and died. So I mean, he doesn't want to question himself anymore when he's trying to bring up his points. And so since he, he just thinks that he needs to stand vigilant on everything from here on out, I think. Yeah. Rand talk, Rand talking to Jamie, I thought was very pertinent only because of how, how much of a connection they had in season two. I think it was season two, right? Season two, you lost the hand. Yes. Season two, I think, cause I'm, well, I'm just trying season to, two. no, it was a season three. I'm talking silver. It's been talking about it. So I think maybe it's season three. I, in any case, um, have, having their connection and, she was very. I, I love the fact that she said that it went beyond houses, honors, and oaths. Like it's this is more than that. Like it, this is beyond anything that we've experienced before. Just go talk to her; she'll listen to you. 
Mm-hmm. And he he knows she's not going to listen to me. Like, there's nothing I can do. I I basically impregnated this girl. She she's wacko at this point. I, she's it's like a girlfriend where you're like, man, she's I th- I think she's crazy too. Like you know, at that point, there's yeah. not anything else you can do. Yeah, and and somebody needs to talk some sense into her. And and at the end of it, maybe some sense was talked in. And that's when Tyrion steps up and he goes, he's going to go do what he needs to do to get Tyr- her to to commit to his side. It was a death mission. Like, honestly, like if you're in Tyrion's shoes in real life and you walk in, you don't know if you're going to live or die. Right. To see, I was betting because of previous theories I had. I was betting that that's when Cersei kills Tyrion at that spot. I thought so too. Yeah. And that's when also Jaime was going to turn on Cersei because of that as well. Uh, Just because the little uh, side they had before he walked in, uh, they gave you that little bit of fan service. And then when... Uh, he goes into the room and it's like, all right, this is it. This is when it happens. Jamie's going to be outside. going to notice it. But uh, they didn't pay off that, uh, which I was surprised. But I was like, I was just in that room like, hey, this is what's going to happen. But it didn't. Two things that occurred in this scene that I thought were, that reminded me of, a, like, you know how they do callbacks. One, this was the most Tywin that I've ever seen Cersei and how cold and calculated she was. She intentionally was hope. I don't know if she was hoping that that he would come here, but she walked away knowing that she had to go back because she part of the plan was for this truth to be something. She had to put a little bit of fear in Tyrion, and two, it was the most Tyrion has been Tyrion, and not oh gosh, everything's great and wonderful in a long time. When he grabs that booze and he sits down, and when Cersei tells him. That it's just like, uh, just like him to to like foreign whores that don't know their place. I'm like, oh man, he she she took him right in the knees because of his ex, you know, that, that passed away. That was that was rough. Yeah, and uh, he was also really aware of what was going on. I couldn't tell if you actually uh, realize it more or was it Cersei playing it up, which we'll talk more about later. But mm-hmm. Cersei not drinking the wine gave Tyrion that extra info he needed to guess that she was pregnant. And that kind of leads into what we didn't see off, off screen, whatever uh, they did there, because he was prostrating himself. He was offering himself. Uh, and he was also foreshadowing Jamie's scene, like saying, kill me now, which is yep. kind of the same thing Jamie does. So like that doubles it down on Cersei. So either Tyrion thinks he convinced Cersei of something to a truce after that scene, or he made a promise he's going to regret. One of two things happened there, and we won't know until next season. Well, in case she he didn't get the message, she held her stomach. She rubbed the belly. So, like, if she if he didn't get the the wine message, she went. She put the hand on the belly. Yeah, I and, can't and drink the, alcohol. Yeah, mm, I'm, I'm my belly, my belly. belly. Mm-hmm. And she he he defends really fast. I mean, he he admits that he loves her kids, even no matter what happened. And she's not like she's a scorn mom. Like, I don't give a shit what you're telling me at this point. Doesn't matter. Like, you were you had a hand in a lot of stuff. And he says, you know, I didn't know that John. I, I had no idea he bent the knee. Like, I had no clue that that was happening. I really like it, but I had no clue that that happened. And she does not care. And I appreciate the fact that she doesn't because she openly admits, you know, I don't care about this world. I don't care about the people except for the people I care about. Like, that's it. Everybody else could die. Doesn't matter to me. Yep. And uh, and then this we're fast forward, but we're still in King's Landing. But um, we don't see what happens. We don't see the deal. But then we get Jamie coming in and he's planning because uh, Cersei says she accepts the truce. But then Jamie's planning the truce now. He's planning the attack. He's le- he's getting the forces. 
And then Cersei says, no, 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 we're, we're not doing that. Let, let them go there, and then we're going to take it all back. And that's when Jamie's Jamie's moral code has been constantly just hit, hit, hit. People constantly telling him, Cersei's bad, Cersei's bad, Cersei's bad. And when she straight up calls him out on being a traitor and yep. doesn't trust him anymore and threatens to kill him where actually gets her bodyguard to pull the sword on him or pull most of the sword on him, he's, I'm out. He's like, screw you, sis. I'm going north. And he just, he leaves. Here's the thing again, Cajun, that where we talked about the writers need to get things accomplished the motivation for her for that to be the breaking point for jamie and for jamie to walk past her was very weak writing to me like that wasn't enough of a scene for me to think that jamie was just gonna up and leave and be like oh you know my moral code because you promised is the reason why i'm gonna stick with the the north it should have been more than that i, mm-hmm. I didn't think that that was enough no 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 uh, jeff go yeah there was there was much more than that because she's being She's being very nihilistic this whole whole way. Like it really, it doesn't matter anything. Uh-huh. The only thing that really matters is myself. And he's like, no, there's more. There, there's no reason in winning unless we get we can be alive. And we can't be alive with this army out here. He doesn't think that they could win against the Dothraki and the uh, Unsullied together. Uh, why would he think that a hundred thousand people uh, he would be able to win? Yeah, and so Cersei's one thing there was you are being a traitor to me right now, but that wasn't the reason for it. She threatens his life. She threatens all of King's Landing and all of Westeros by not committing her forces and helping stop him and basically disowns him a little more so and solidifies all the stuff that he heard before. So a lot more things happen than that. And this is a lot of the lead-in that they were talking about, all the stuff that he was not trusting his sister, seeing her go down the Mad Queen role. And if that guard wouldn't have been there, we might have seen a different outcome to how bad he's he's really been seeing it happening. So, I mean, to him, there was, it was he, she gave him plenty of reasons to get the hell out of Dodge. I'm misremembering my notes because when I look at my notes, I realize that she talked about the fact that she planned this with Euron, and so that was the part that stabbed him in the back. Is when yeah. she when she realized that right. Euron and her had a plan that didn't involve Jamie, and Jamie's like, "What the f?" Like I, first of all, I have your baby, but second of all, I thought I was the you know the head of your guardsmen as on land, and you're talking about something that's happened on water because they sent Euron like his exit scene was sent was on purpose he caused a big scene and said he was going to leave so he could go and grab right. everybody from uh the the gold company or the golden, golden company. company yeah yeah the golden yeah. company and bring them across the on the water so that she could have and it wasn't even that many men it was like 20,000 and i'm thinking 20,000 that's it cuz like when Danny talks about the the whites she said it's over 100,000 and that that's just what i saw like where it was at I don't even know if they brought everybody. Like you know what I mean? I, I I don't know if they're all marching together or if there's some held back someplace. But that's all. That's I mean twenty thousand to hundred thousand. That's not even close. Yeah, but she was never bringing him in for that. She's bringing him to take over all of the lands that uh, Daenerys is leaving behind, and to basically recontrol all of Westeros while they're away fighting that the war up north that Cersei doesn't want have anything to be a part of. Yeah, and that's her game right there. Is basically, she's she's more about the land grab. She's more about that Iron Throne. She doesn't care about anybody else as long as she's sitting on there, even if she's cold and dead. Right. If I, she dies and nobody else can take it over, she's fine. She's so oblivious about the power thing because 
I have here like super highlighted, like Jamie being the only sane one. Like if the dead win, they march south. If the north wins, they come back to get what they lost. But either way, somebody's coming after King's Landing and it's with a lot more force than they have to defend themselves. Right. And what, I, I just, it doesn't make sense that, that Cersei is that crazy that she just does not get the concept or, or maybe that disillusioned. Yeah. And that's it. Like she is, she's so far gone that he, he, he got out of there. So he, like I said, every reason. But this scene also was this one of the big surprise scenes for me because I didn't see, although Cersei being manipulative as she is, I didn't see it coming that she was going to renege on the truce. I thought some when originally watching the scenes, I thought something Tyrion had said had happened and she accepted the truce and we might have seen that. I did not expect at all that we were gonna get this. Oh, I'm not I'm not even considering sending my forces up there. And so to me that was you were talking earlier about big surprises that we didn't see coming. To me that was one of the big ones of this episode. When she called him the dumbest Lannister or the stupidest Lannister or whatever line she used, so demeaning to like a person that apparently she loves, which is why he didn't die. She let him go because, she, I mean, she cares enough about him. I mean, he's probably the only thing she really does care about besides the kid or herself. So I, I can't imagine she would she would try to have him killed. I, I just don't feel like she would do that. I don't. It's a personal thing. I don't think she would let Jamie die at like even if it was to the hound or I mean to the mountain. She was hoping maybe he'd turn around like when she kind of went like went out for him a little bit, but he, that's it. That was the end of it. Do we really think that this baby is real? No. Oh, I don't. Oh. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I just wanted to bring this up because I probably would have forgotten later since we have so much to cover. But, uh, yeah, I like. I think that this is, especially with how much she used it on Tyrion, like her placing her hand on her stomach during talking to Tyrion mm-hmm. wasn't, wasn't just like her doing it nonchalantly she did that because she knew that Tyrion would read into it yeah and she would be able to just like hey you betrayed the family all this time this is the time to help the family i never picked up on the wine thing cajun like you talking about it right Mm -hmm. now totally that was like oh oh yeah okay that makes sense so if that wasn't Mm -hmm. a blatant enough thing then the hand on the belly like we talked about but yeah i never picked up on the wine thing in fact i was like oh that's awesome they're gonna you know he's giving her wine which is like okay old times again i totally forgot that she was pregnant in that scene until she held her hand over her stomach and i'm like oh she is pregnant but in medieval times, does that mean that they wouldn't drink? Because, I mean, nah. even back in the 90s, they were still drinking when people were born. Yeah, but I yeah, think they, were, trying, they were looking for subtly. Yeah, I was yeah. subtly. They were, trying to, they were trying to give you a nod, like, he, does he know yet or does he know? And then when he does it, I was like, he he, he looked, and then he looked again. Because they, they went to his eyes, they went back to her stomach again. And then I'm like, oh, he's not going to say anything? Or is he just going to hold it in? And then he does say something. So, um we move on to uh, the dragon pit, and we we have John and Danny having a nice conversation again. Maybe the witch wasn't so right about the fact that you can't get preggers. Oh yeah, Dragonstone. We're in Dragonstone. <laughs> yeah, Dragon. Yeah, Dragonstone. And yeah, I, I did like that. I did like, wait, that was about going that wasn't, back. No, yeah, that was in the dragon pit. They were still in the oh, dragon pit. It, okay, it I was, back, I'm, I'm ready for it. Oh, I'm sorry. You'll go. I was oh, already. Oh, next scene. Oh, I didn't. Oh wow, really? Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. We, I didn't know we talked about that. I'm like, all right, sorry. Oh no, we we did, and I was just moving on because uh, no worries. I was like, we'll, I thought, I thought, yeah, we were already past that scene and come back around. No, to this. no, we, we can go to Dragonstone. <laughs> no, we can go to Dragonstone. Dragonstone has the war room discussion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were talking about their plan of advance, how to get everybody there, and the, really the big takeaway was you're going to be bringing a Lannister up there to the north uh, to to show that um, 
the North that you can't be, you don't need to be scared of this Lannister, and also for uh, John to ride in the boat with Danny. Yeah, way. yeah. This this was all written so that John and Danny could ride in a boat because if they wanted to write this the correct way, he would have hopped on a dragon, she would have hopped on a dragon, yeah. and they would have flown to Winterfell, and they they would just call it a day. Mm-hmm. So this was such a wasted scene again. Like to me, I was like, oh, this is such a plot scene. This is just the this writers just going. Like total hookups. How are we going to get them to have sex together? All right, we're going to put them on a boat. Great. It would have been so much cooler if they had sex on a dragon. Yeah. And we get to make Jor- make Joros feel sad and like, no, I'm gonna ride on the boat with him. And Joros like, oh, I know what's going on here. <laughs> oh, this sucks. happened so many times. Friend zoned again for like the tenth time. Shut the only thing <laughs> I'll tell you, if there's anything to take away from the scene that I took away from it was the fact of how how much Danny used to respect Jorah's choices or his words or even. Tyrion's words and you can see her starting to sway towards whatever Jon says now she listens to and it's like okay whatever however whatever however way this war is going I'm gonna follow Jon through it yeah because at, at, at the end uh Jorah's stuff he kind of well she had the revelation of him being a, a traitor to her in the past although he he turned way before she found out and so she still has some of that taint there. She has the taint from Tyrion's bad battle plans uh, fresh in her memory. So that's sitting there as well, too. She doesn't have any taint of Jon's uh, bad decisions yet. You know, and, and she's uh, she's loving the hairy dude from the neck up. Butt double. <laughs> yeah. Butt double snow. Yep. There, was a, there was a really nice scene between Jon and Theon. In this Dragonstone uh, scene, where as they're ready to walk out, and it was almost like two bastards having a conversation about, "Well, you're the smarter of the two bastards." No, dude, you're kind of smart too. Uh, the fact that Theon thinks that John makes really great decisions all the time, and he laughs. He's like, "Dude, you have no idea. I make crappy decisions a lot. <laughs> Except your decisions are a lot crappier. <laughs> so your yours are really." really bad. really yeah bad. <laughs> and he doesn't even phase that it doesn't be like yeah yeah we both make bad decisions like i make bad decisions but yours are far worse <laughs> the whole point of this scene was for him to say you're not just a gray joy why do you have to choose between being a gray joy and a stark you can be both which we know down the line is foreshadowed in john uh, john being able to be a targaryen and a stark at the same time why can't he be both Right, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the so, same stuff we saw, in like the Iron Fist identity crisis stuff. You can be both a Stark and a Greyjoy. You can be the Iron Fist, and you can be Danny Rand. You can be both because all of these people who try to be a hero or try to find their identity and just pick one don't realize that you can be multiple things at the same time. And that uh, that that was nice because it, it seemed like it lit a little fire under Theon there, and he gets he gets his uh, his Fight Club scene on the beach later. Uh, fight club see the guy was outweighed by a good hundred pounds by the dude that he was boxing and for, i hate that dude with the, the beard by the way so i'm kind of glad that his ass got beat i like i was just tired of him running his mouth he got his ass kicked at first like he was oh, basically he, he had like probably two concussions already and yeah the only saving grace that he had is that he has no balls so i thought he had no dick like i did no, i wrong like no I, it's just dick yeah I thought he had no dick, so how did like if he got kneed in the balls, man, that would still hurt. I think it was twig and berries all together. Oh, and they might have just showed us the just the one. Okay, that uh, the the famous the famous uh, sign uh, of 
like oh Ramsey yeah with the sausage, with the sausage. Like, hey, yeah he probably yeah. just took everything but uh what i say about fight club in that scene is you remember that fight club scene where tyler durden gets beat up by the mob boss guy in front of everybody and he tells him to hold off that's that scene where theon's just getting beat up and then he just turns on the guy knocks him down and then just drips blood on his face and beats him up and asks him to stay uh, fighting down there. That was that scene to me because it was like he gets beat up and then he flips on him and then drops the blood on his face and just wails on him. So like, oh, that was an homage. <laughs> did did you guys not think? Because I, I thought at one point when he said just stay down, I thought that he was gonna kind of turn and just be like, "You're man, he's fighting really hard," and he would it would have turned him into kind of believing in Theon a little bit and just that that would have been the end of the scene. I didn't actually think it was gonna go to Theon having to beat him. And to, to show that I, th- I really thought that the guy was doing the stay down, stay down. And because Theon kept coming back and kept coming back, that was enough to see resiliency in Theon. And that would have been the scene. I, I that's but I guess I th- those iron born guys are not that way. Yeah, you need to show them a little more. Yeah. Yeah, they think it, too little. Either, of them. Yeah. yeah. And after he beats him and he goes over to the sea and washes his cuts, I just go. Ooh, that would sting. Yeah, my whole house did Online. that. Me, my wife, and my sister all did the same thing. Ooh, just that would burn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't feel too good. Yep. And but the thing is, like, even at the end, even after all, like saying, even after all that fighting stuff, that still wasn't enough because at the end he gets his Yara because they're not gonna follow him and he still knows that he hasn't earned anything. But remember, for Yara, let's go. This so this might be the end of Reek. Like like it. I, I'm hoping. Like it would be nice. I hope so too, but I mean, it's a long road to get through PTSD, and I mean, he's got a severe case of it. We're gonna but see a tempting point... scene. We're gonna see a scene where he's gonna be tempted. He's gonna see stuff that's triggering them, and he's gonna start going into reek, and then he's gonna shake it off and continue fighting. And that's oh, that, that John Snow scene. Yes. Yeah. I have a question: Is he missing fingers, or were his fingers just broken? Because I've noticed that Theon holds his hands in a way that uh, a few fingers are always straight most hmm. of the time. So I don't know if that's just that characterization that the actor is going for, or if that is supposed to show that he doesn't have any fingers in that glove, or if they're broken and they don't bend like everything else. I'll have to look that up. I haven't even I, Yeah, that. I haven't even thought about it. Now we have a reason to go back and watch all of Game of Thrones again, every scene that Theon's in and watch his fingers. Yeah. <laughs> no other shows. <laughs> Theon fingers only. Now we get to head to the thing, to the the place that I felt was the most interesting, literally, of this entire episode, and that was Winterfell. Like, I loved every bit of Winterfell. Now, I thought that they cheated us a little bit on certain scenes, and I'll talk about that, but yeah. let's get into uh, Sansa talking about how John never asks for her opinion ever and starts that big long speech to Littlefinger. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? Is she really complaining to Littlefinger? Yeah. And now I, now I don't know, was she setting Littlefinger up there or was she still in the dark in that scene? No, she was setting him up there. I think that somewhere between last episode and this episode is when it occurred only because she talks about being slow to learn. But when she does, she learns. And so I think that it, I don't, I don't know how far back this goes, but you'd think, and, and let's not get too far ahead. Uh, John was named King of the North. 
we have little figure saying that she could be named king of the king of or you know she, it could be her and then he has her play this little game this little game of what ifs and it most think of the most extreme things and it was really creepy because at before you catch the last tw- 20 minutes of this scene that 10 minutes you're like is she that stupid like is she is he really leading her on like at that point i thought she was under like a spell or something yeah like not literally but like you know what i mean like it was really she was entranced with it yeah my house whenever he said let's play a game my hands went straight up in the air i was like i was right Arya's wearing his face <laughs> yeah oh. I, was, I was the same way i was like oh well, a game and i think i you know what uh, that's just writers like knowing that that yeah. was going to be a theory mm-hmm. and just messing with people i think yeah no there, there's talks tons to of that about the faceless stuff. man yeah she talks about the faceless man. So then it was like, I thought Cajun, I thought you were right in that scene because she's like, "Do you know who the faceless man is? Do you know what they do?" And I'm like, "Yeah, because it's me." Huh? <laughs> but then it was no. She he just says, "Let's play the game." And I, I all I have in parentheses is this dude is a straight asshole. Like that's what I have in my parentheses because I was so mad at the time. I hate Littlefinger so bad. Uh, I love to hate him. And but man, he played. Um, and he asked what she could want. She wants Sansa dead. And why does she want her dead? Because she wants to take over as queen. But I never believed that because, I mean, anybody who knows Arya knows that she has no interest in, in pretty things and fancy things. She doesn't even, she's like, I don't care about that. I just want to kill people. Yeah. But Sansa doesn't know know that about Arya. Yes, she like, does. I mean, they've been estranged for however long uh, uh, a Westerosian year is. No, I, I think that was the big thing for Sansa. I think that that was the catalyst, him saying that Arya wants this because she wants the throne was a catalyst for her to talk to Arya and Bran, and then all this stuff came out, and the wolf pack congealed because, uh, yeah, the, Arya could have been setting a lot of this up previously uh, to get the permission to, to kill them, but I think that was it because Sansa's like, no, my... My sister wants a lot of stuff, and yes, she changed a lot, but she does not want this. And that could have been it for her. And the next scene is Sansa requesting Arya be brought to the Great Hall. And I'm like, oh, shite. Here it comes. I really thought that I... Like, for a second, I'm like, oh, is is this really going to go down this way? Like, are they really going to go take her? And it's not what Sansa wants, but it's what honor demands. And I was like, oh, that's an awesome line. I, I really I really appreciate that line. Oh yeah. Yeah, that whole that whole scene like to me it felt a little gimmicky, but it I still really liked the payoff. Like I was like come on, do we really need to do this little head turn? Mhm. Little finger. Lord Baelish. Yeah. She said Lord Baelish and that it, like the meme on that you want to talk about a meme right now the eye flutter thing where he's like bah, 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 bah. like because when she says when ari gets pulled in he gives her this shit ass smirk like it's real tiny and they cut to the scene real fast and i'm like oh you i hate oh i hate you so bad and then when she turns and she goes lord baelish and his eyes flutter i'm like yes oh yeah oh it he was goes great. through so many so many oh, stages awesome. of grieving in that he he pleads he's angry <laughs> he's bargaining he's doing it all mm-hmm. you get to see him go through almost every seven stages yeah and i love the eye look. acting too like you're saying love oh. the eye acting 
Aria was like, my sister asked you a question. And I'm like, oh, there it is. There's the verbal stabs. Let's let's start calling them out for everything. And so Littlefinger's baffled, and they accuse him of the murder of uh, Liza Aran, they care, the murder of John Aran, and he's caused a conflict between the Starks and the Lannisters. And what do you say? What do you say? And he's like, buh, 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 buh. I don't have a word to say. It's so funny because the person who's supposed to see things from all sides doesn't see this coming. Yep, and that was something I had been saying earlier about how he was losing control, losing control, and constantly losing control because he's he's up against this wolf pack. Then he he's not used to people that either have this sort of bond or the communication that they were able to execute to come to all these conclusions. And we even got to see Bran, and this was something here: are people just taking Bran's vision as fact because he brings up about holding the knife to the throat and like. Everybody's just like saying, accepting yep. that that's yep. fact because he said it. Uh, do everybody in the North believe that he can see it now, Jeff? But the Lords of, oh, okay, sorry. I think I think that it. Uh, I bet to specific people he has proven his power, but also like with Littlefinger, uh, Lord Baelish, he has never really messed with anybody that is supernatural. Yeah, and. Three out of four Starks are supernatural now. Mm-hmm. What I was going to say is that the Lords of the North weren't there. So That's true. Just the Lords of the Vale. It, yeah. it, it was the Lords of the Vale. And if you know, the Lords of the Vale only came to Littlefinger's defense because he, he propped up Sansa in the, in, the, in the midst. They weren't going to defend him to begin with. So those guys are already on the fence with him. To, they, don't, they don't even want to stand by him to begin with. So when he was like, take me to, I can't remember where the hell he told him, said to take him back to, but they were like, yep, hell to no. The that's, yeah, to the yeah, Aries. That's Aerie. not, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, because like, they had already and, dropped and, the bomb that he killed John Aaron and Lysa Aaron, and that was it. Um, there was there was no going back there because one, uh, whatever the night was, the, the veil night that he went to, was in the interrogation room when they were when, Sansa, when they were interrogating Sansa about Lys Aaron's death, and for her to say he pushed her down uh, purposefully and it wasn't an accident, it, it's, it's more meaning to that guy because he was in the room interrogating Sansa, so he now knows that Sansa was lying for uh, for Bayless previously, and that's that's it for him. What I keep hearing is my in my head is, do you deny it? Do you deny it? And every time she asks him a question, she's like, do you deny it? And he just, do you deny it? He has nothing to say. Yeah. Oh, and then he just gives up and just starts spilling it all out because he knows that he's like, eh, whatever. Maybe if I tell the truth, they'll let me live. No, not with Arya in the room. Mm-mm. And Arya will cut a bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she did. I mean, it was like she spun whoosh, with the knife on his throat and then spun back and was like, I'm just going to watch now. It was awesome. It was It was really like this is where she all of her assassin training. She is the executioner. She's Ned. Whatever needs to be done in order to take somebody out, where where other people might be the brains or, or whatnot, I really, really loved Arya in this moment. I haven't liked her in a while. Now, what was that quote? Uh, what's the quote between her? She says that you're the, uh, you're the lady, I'm just the blade. Or something to that. Well, she's to, an assassin. Uh, yeah. 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 She's... She's she's all about. She's always was the gruffer one. She was always the killer, and she's the assassin. You 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 point me in the direction, uh, I kill who needs to be killed, which is the the same thing the faces man uh, gives her. And so one one question I have, guys, is that would you have preferred to see 
the Starks discovering the Littlefinger plot? Would you do you want? Would you prefer to see those scenes, or would you prefer to see how it played out on the show, where it was like Lord Baelish, and then you're surprised, uh, and they leave out all those scenes? So, for me, I think that maybe a little more showing of it, or maybe just a scene where Sansa, or just just a silhouette of somebody going and seeing Bran before the scene of uh of the execution i think that might have been enough and it didn't it wouldn't even have to be during this episode it could have been in episode six or uh episode five or anything like that like that that would have been fine because then you know that there's a little bit more going on there that we don't know and we could we could have guessed about chris i was this is the part of this where I said I felt like we were cheated a little bit because I thought the scene, I thought the, the expectation level of the audience was too much to assume one thing or the other. And I don't think the payoff, it, this was all to get Littlefinger to die. I don't think they paid off, paid it off well enough with just this, this little scene, this little five minutes. I think they like started with the, this is what, how we want Littlefinger to die. And then they backtracked how they, in their heads, they were like, "Oh well, if we play this joke and or the joke, and everybody is able to see it, you know, as we're fighting, we didn't know that as the crowd. We kind of guessed it. I would have, you know, what I would have done something for me is the scene where they were at the end, and the, the next scene where they're where they're talking at the top of the wall, and they're talking about Ned and the and the power of the pack, and you know, all of that stuff. If it, a couple of lines would have been like." wow, it's a really good thing that we talked to Bran about blah, 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 a couple of weeks back, or not even, or whatever, just something, a line, a passing line that would have gave us context to the fact that this was the case. But nobody knows, so we're all guessing, did this happen between last episode? Did they know as far back as when Arya was snooping around? We don't know. I think that this might be a, a thing of maybe we'll see a little bit more of it in the first episode of uh, season eight kind of like how they ended season six with Arya killing Walder Frey, and then right away it goes into that. Maybe something like that, but, you know, with other things that happened right at, at the, before it goes to black, it's probably going to be that. Yeah, so for me, that's kind of shows, like, for you guys, this is sort of like fast travel, but this is dialogue fast travel. So you all want a little more of it. You all want a little more exhibition. For me, I loved the the execution of that scene, just the Lord Bates catching me by surprise, uh, something I wasn't expecting to be that turn right then and there. I expected that stuff to come out during the trial, not to have it uh, being a uh, to catch Lord Bates in the act in front of all those people, and because they might have been expecting him to run or whatever it is, but... I, I like that twist scene because to me that was that surprise of Game of Thrones. The 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 mystery was what's going to happen here, and then just like surprising you with it. Because if you keep lay it all on the on the table, you lose some of that mystery because it's it's taking you piece by piece, and you're not trying to piece it together. Like you eliminate theories if you're if you're not making these jumps. So, but no, I I can see it from both sides though because I see where you're going. And also see the reason you don't like those other stuff is also the reason you don't like fast travel now did she kill him with needle or what did she kill him with no, uh, the dagger the, the dagger uh, I, yeah. I, I, did, I wasn't sure if it was his own dagger so I, that's why I was asking I couldn't remember and I've only watched it once yeah uh, see I, I me myself I just like exposition so even just like a tiny little 
just a tiny little thing, that would have been fine. I mean, it, it worked. It worked for me. It got the point across. But if I were going to critique just a little thing, that would be it. Yeah. And like I said earlier, and I'll say it one more time even later, this, these scenes with Sansa and Arya, all of these, these scenes where they were playing them to be against each other in the previous episodes, make those episodes with those scenes worse now because you know what the payoff is at the end. You know that it was a, a fake out by the writers and it wasn't real in that world. And so it makes those episodes in it for a rewatch even worse and worse in memory, I think. Which is why if they would have let that plot, plot that plot line uh, expand out and you would have seen two episodes ago that they talked to Bran, knew what was going on, and were on on purpose doing this. Like if if as a fan you were involved in that, I think it would have had the, the little finger. It, I mean, this was all for the ooh gotcha scene, and like we're gonna we're gonna say Lord Baelish. If it wasn't for that one line. This could have we could have known about Littlefinger all along for three episodes, and I still would have felt just as justified. All right, so we're gonna move on and go to the boat ride to the north with Danny, John, Tyrion, and uh, we had Samwell and Bran like basically over talking this. So this, the initial scene has Samwell finally coming to Winterfell, which is like that's awesome like it was really great it's like hey you avoided all of the white walkers like the entire ride over here that's fantastic great that you survived dude what do you what do you mean there's 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 no white walkers between him and uh winterfell like not even close yeah but the, there was there was oh for bran uh, yeah oh yeah, yeah, i thought yeah, you were talking yeah, about yeah, bran yeah. was saying that the yeah. same one i'm like sam yeah. didn't have any white walkers yeah. you're talking about willis yeah. <laughs> he had like uh, sam had one of the best lines this whole episode he did <laughs> right when he's like so what did you do what what did you do over on the other side of the wall oh i became the three-eyed raven i don't know what that is <laughs> and we were all everybody when? cheers in the house like yes yeah, stop saying that you idiot i was watching the episode and when he said that line i'm i said in like unison with him i'm the three-eyed raven and then he said it i'm like son of a bitch like he uses that line for everything it was I, I was literally laughing out loud only because that yeah that was a funny scene i swear that they used that this whole season just for this payoff yeah, for this single little <laughs> snippet yep that was that was most likely back riding he's just going to keep telling it to people and they'll just roll their eyes and then finally who's who's the one who calls him out on his uh, his bs samuel yeah. excellent yeah let's do it do it do it yeah great yeah it was back it was an interesting scene because it's so weird that Bran decides that it's okay to tell Samwell everything that he knows. Hey, you look like a guy I could just tell everything to. Hey, do you know John? Yeah. Well, he's really a Targaryen. And he's re- his real name is Aegon. It's it was so it was it was so weird that he just decided to spill his guts to uh, maybe he knew? I don't know, but it didn't seem like he did. Sam got his good guy card back as yeah. well because he just shows that he actually listened to Gilly even though he was pissed off and didn't even sound like he was. I, I know that he said I I know that he said that he did de- de- uh, decipher or not deciphered but wrote it all transcribed again. it yeah yep. yeah transcribed everything but maybe that's why he was so disinterested in what she was saying because he had already gone through it himself. I don't I'm know. thinking that that was the case because that's that's what I was going to say. It's like, well, I already wrote that, so I already know what you're telling me. Like, I know everything that's in the book. But then she says it out loud. Maybe when you're writing it, he's so involved in just like, I'm writing this, I'm writing this. Like, he remembers it but doesn't hear it. And then she says it, and it's like, 
oh, well, that's kind of weird. Yeah, you or I mean? or she was reading the pre-stuff, and then he transcribed it later on the ride back. Ooh, that's oh, and, and then and then he and and he discovered it then. Like he was blowing her off, and then he transcribed on the ride back because it was a long journey. But it was just mm-hmm. like like we've you all complained about they're cutting so much of this little stuff out to make it short. You don't get to see it, so we have to make up what possibly could have happened instead of actually knowing what happened there. Huge fake out though when when he says that Danny and John are on their way back and. He's like, how do you know that? Like, he thinks he's a three-eyed raven, so he knows everything, and he holds up the piece of paper like, yeah, they wrote a note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, again, that was great, too. Just that was, that all was of this, I know everything like, on all this stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, I got this you message see from Bran actually raven. be funny for a second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy's straight as a, as a lace. But, like, I, it was nice because Samwell was like, well, you can go back, right? Like, if you can go back in time, you can you can basically see this wedding, and you're like, oh, crap, he can and it was a that was one of the most touching moments that that i've seen because it paid off three episodes three seasons ago yeah brand basically he does a three-eyed google search through the archives of history and just is like well let me fill in these holes and like okay this happened yep for sure there and scan over here and let's get the ear in closer what's that name there oh she's whispering damn name gotta get closer i wasn't close enough last time I didn't think that that was important, but also, did you like? This is the first time that we get to see Aegon as well, or not Aegon, but Rhaegar as yes. well. And <laughs> you could he tell looks that like Viserys. Like yeah. Viserys and him are definitely related. Oh like, yeah, for they, sure. They were pretty much spitting images. I wonder, same person, if they use the same actor, just because it was like a, just a little bit. Uh, but and it's been so long that people probably wouldn't catch it but i'm not 100 percent sure about yeah. that or a close relative of that character because he didn't have to say much she said the sand there and look like him mm-hmm. and it's really awesome because he's like he's the rightful own to the iron throne you're like oh crap that means he's basically having sex with his aunt right now that's not cool which we and all so, yeah. knew yeah we all the, the, knew that the boat scene was forced connection again i felt no connection between danny and john i still don't i feel like every time they're on scene together it feels like there's no chemistry to me at, at all i mean I, I understand why in the in the context of the show there's supposed to be chemistry but i don't sense chemistry between them on screen it does not come across to me at all the only chemistry that you you actually feel because i think i feel like the same way with uh the wild dude mm-hmm. um yeah Tormon and brianne yeah uh no 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 i'm talking about like all of her love interests that have had the the three you've got uh, Jason Momoa yeah uh, well there was there was definite um, there that was, was chemistry there. sexual chemistry yeah. they were just yeah. on it yeah yeah but then there yeah the uh, uh, the assassin the guy, guy who, see the first the, the first actor I forget the, the duelist, character's name yeah. yeah the first character the first actor who played it I felt it like there was something there between them and yeah. then the next season started when that guy went to do like a transporter movie and deadpool then uh got recast and the next one like there is this is not the same chemistry this is not the same per this is not even close that guy was like fabio handsome too (laughs) and i was like come on oh like this but then also when you read the books or, or you look at the book stuff the second guy looks so much more like the character except without the blue beard um yeah that I, I can see why they went that way instead. Afterwards. John, John in this scene is going against a little bit of his oath where he said that he doesn't want to uh, 
have a bastard for a child. And he, again, he's sleeping with somebody, which is, you know, we talked about John always makes the right decisions, like the whole Theon thing. And then he's sleeping with Danny, which might feel right, but potentially could not be right, or at least go against some of the things that he's talked about. He doesn't, he's, I mean, if you remember four, four seasons ago where he talked about not wanting to sleep with women because he wasn't sure he, he wanted, he didn't want to sleep with his own mom. Like he wasn't sure who she was. So, so he was like, I don't want to do that because I don't really know who my mom is and I don't want to make a mistake of sleeping with my mom. And then he slept with the wildling, right? But mm-hmm. he... I mean, sleeping with Danny, the Tyrion thing, I think, because Tyrion's in the background and everybody's made some choices on what they feel like Tyrion is thinking in this moment. I think a lot of it is prejudged based upon Bran speaking. If you were to take Bran's voice out and the context was just Tyrion standing outside of the door and watching that, you'd see a, a guy, in my mind, that has feelings for Danny in of some sort. And I think that he's just hurt by some of the choices that she's made. And I, I look at it around that same that same thing as well, except I don't think it's the feelings. I I, I think that he might feel a little betrayed, uh, and that's about it. But I think that it has to do with something that maybe he told he uh, told Cersei, mm-hmm. and there was more to the conversation that we didn't see. It also could be the ceiling of the fact that he's losing his any 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 chance that he has to get through to Danny anymore is all going to go through John. It's not going to go through him anymore, and so he's not he's not really the hand anymore. Basically, John's the hand, like in it, it, like inadvertently. Well, because well, she'll, she'll listen the, to whatever the hand and other things. I mean, he was basically yeah. standing outside the door like it was frozen, asking Daenerys, "Do you want to make a snowman?" <laughs> I got Come inches on, of snow to play. Winter's coming soon. And so, hopefully not too soon. I've only <laughs> been with another one woman, and that was a couple years ago. So, <laughs> and it was in a cave in a hot tub. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, for, and I'm agreeing with you on that one. We, and Jeff, yeah, me and you talked about that in the Discord too. That that's that's kind of where we think that's going uh, with Tyrion's uh, sadness because he was it was definitely unprovoked and was like, what? Big question, big mystery yeah. of Game of Thrones, adding a new mystery there. Is there a, a potential that Tyrion thought that he might have a chance at getting if Danny if something were to happen to Danny that he could step into power? No, nah. no, I uh, no, I don't think that he even wanted. I, to... I don't believe that. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah. Like I just you know like because it, he got him talking about you know who's going to take over for you when you when you pass away or when you you know have... yeah, but he wasn't position, trying to position him, himself there. Like I think he thought that she could have done that there, but at the same time, I think he was trying to provoke her to think about marriage and succession and if she married another family then that could put the other family in, in line too and, and help it that way but i didn't i don't i don't buy that part of it as much because i haven't seen him like wanting the throne but who i mean literally at this point who knows because what like you said whatever that conversation he had with cersei and wherever he's thinking about what his family's legacy is he could definitely lead down that road I think that Tyrion just wants to prove himself. That that's really it. He just wants to prove that he is worth something. Yeah. And so if if he's feeling like a distance between him and Daenerys, maybe it's because of that. Maybe he feels like he hasn't done as much as he could. But who who knows? Like it, it's one of those things. I mean, we're going to throw spaghetti at a wall and see what sticks kind of right now. Yeah. Because he definitely left it wide. They left it wide open for interpretation. Well, we'll find out in less than a half a boat ride. 
because they're gonna they're gonna find out that they're related and then it's gonna get really awkward like this mm-hmm. is kind of weird or as soon as they get to winterfell uh, ha- or as soon as they get a raven like yeah. that's what's gonna happen well no think- uh, brand's just waiting for him he knows he's coming back he's like this i need to tell in person because you can't just send a raven with that information like they're gonna yeah. get to white harbor and then it's gonna be a short ride they're gonna but fast travel you. You're yeah. a Targaryen. Yeah, but here's a here's the weird part about it is Targaryens feel like if they interbreed that it, it strengthens the bloodline. So it might not be so awkward for Danny, but it's definitely going to be weird for John because he doesn't see things in that that kind of light. Right. I don't know if uh, if Daenerys would actually go for that either, though, because I mean she could have been bumping uglies with her brother this whole time, and they never did. No, I, but I'm just yeah, saying he was based upon yeah, he was weird. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about cousins versus brothers and sisters. This is the aunts and uncles, so yeah, it could so, it could be a little bit. They could feel like there's a little more distance. So I have a comment on that. that. That does lead to one of my season eight theories for later, but uh, because although it makes the most sense, I don't think John and Danny they won't default in the show to getting married will fix this claim for the Iron Throne because he's going to find out that he has a rightful claim, and that's going to be infighting there. And so yeah, there's oh, going to yeah. be some grossness, but. This show is not going to default to the quickest and easiest solution so they can get to the fighting. There's going to be some complicated emotions that start playing into effect there. And it's going to be some of the grossness. It's going to be, well, I really want the throne. I really want the throne. The best answer is them to just get married. You both get the throne. But that's not going to be it at all next season. You, you know what fixes the problem? A baby. When people are fighting and then one person finds out they have a child and they're a bastard and they don't want their, their kids to be bastards all of a sudden it's decisions might be made that are a little bit different. Yep. And or a fake baby in Cersei's case. This is <laughs> you're fighting, you're fighting. Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? Oh, fake baby. <laughs> yeah. So let's go to Eastwatch, which is oh. basically the basis of all of season seven. This is the this the one scene, this scene of what all of maybe ten minutes was the reason why this entire season was created. And first of all, who knew that a dragon wings they rot really fast with holes in them? Right, yeah. but, but that answers a big thing because when we saw the dragon die, there was something like whites, uh, whites they degrade over time. White walkers and the Night King do not degrade over time. Because the dragon was turned, he's going to degrade. Will he get holes in his wings and that affect his ability to fly? And so uh, if they're smart, I think that if... And they, let the, they make the holes degrade more and more that could be a, a weak point for the Night King and his dragon by it not being able to fly as effectively by making the holes bigger and bigger. or But they could just be doing it for dramatic effect. And then we I'll, just get a Draco Lich, like, you mm, know, just full-on skeleton, off. yeah, skeleton dragon. Yep, walking the That'd ground. That'd be kind of cool. Also, uh, dead dragons don't need to breathe very much. They can just shoot fire for literally ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, we, and the we hottest call, blue flame. Yeah. We we talked about the blue flame last week. We were all excited oh. about the blue flame. I th- we we were shooting spitting. We were we were spitting fire out. We were like, "Hey, is it a blue flame? Do they like is is it is, is it going to be blue or white?" White. And then we and got a blue white, blue, white and yeah. it was good. I was so excited when I saw it. I'm like, "This is awesome." And when I first saw it come out, I'm like, "Is that ice?" But then I was because I, I obviously, you know, the Night King, I thought maybe it was going to be ice, but to make sense for the show, you know, it has to be hot because the wall from the beginning, they've talked about the wall never going down. It had to go down. It had like this right. had to happen. Now, if we go, if we go to physics and to chemistry, uh, we know that blue flame is hotter. The plasma, the blue plasma, is hotter than the fl- the mm-hmm. uh, red flame or orange flame. So, 
with that is a Draco or like a, a white dragon is their flame hotter than a, a live dragons that that is my question he sure I, was able to take out that wall quick yeah in our world uh yes and i think in their world slightly yes too but i also think the the reason why the blue flame is different uh, is because dragon fire and regular fire kills whites whatever this blue flame is i think it might not so that would allow uh viserion to continue to live and still blowing it and if it accidentally uh hits some of the whites it doesn't maybe kill them instantly there might be something there uh with that in play because i don't i really don't think they're going that deeper fire kills but it's coming from the inside of this thing and it doesn't kill him they might not go that deep into the uh, physics of it am i the only person that thinks the dragons look awesome but every time i see somebody riding one it's like what the flip like just don't put anybody on a dragon because it looks stupid it doesn't it looks bad it looks like bad cgi stop doing it because they're so small. I mean, that whole yeah. thing is so CG. And they're like, they're like, yeah. it's like a weird horse, and they don't know how to put the the person on it. And the Night King, now you're putting like a, it looked like a weird Night King on a on Viserion. It, it just didn't look great at all. You ha- you had Tormund and, and uh, uh, Sarek there. They were Beric. did they live? Ber- Beric, pardon me, Beric. Did they live? Did they die? I assume they lived because Tormund's just too too much of a character to let them just. He can't just die without having something said to, said about it. Yeah, so for Tormund and Beric, I think they are alive because two things. One, big characters like that die on screen. They don't die off screen. Yep. They can't do that. And the last scene with them, I think, was edited out of linear time because they, they see the wall falling in front. Like they jump over and the wall falls in between them. I think that was the actual final piece of the wall falling, not the extra pieces we saw later after the cut. So I think it was edited out of linear time or edited really poorly to make you think that they might have died. You think we got Noland? Noland? Noland. Oh, Christopher Nolan, yeah, because he does everything in non-linear time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what is that word you just said? Yeah, no, th- th- I think that's exactly what it was. And it could have been on purpose or it could have been on accident that they actually just didn't uh, put it in the right spot, which I doubt for a movie, a show that's this uh, well-funded and uh, curated. But who, who knows? But uh, they do like tricking people. Now, they got the horn blasts out that they're supposed to when they see white walkers mm-hmm. um now does that go down the whole wall because that could so. get to black um uh, castle black and then castle black could send a raven to let winterfell know at least and well that's where they're tracking they're they're, tra- they're they're tracking to cut to winterfell winterfell for we're not talking about season eight yet but that that's happening and that's happened within the first three episodes first two episodes i would guess like that's a big that's almost a battle of the bastards the big scene like winterfeld attack is is going to be a huge deal in next season right that's going to be the big hard home type uh battle yep. uh but e- even bigger but we, uh, i don't think we'll see it in the first one because he, i think he's going to be building up his army a little bit on the way south like he's going to be ransacking these villages as people are gathering this information about what's going on and they are setting up their defenses there yeah, there's no good there's gonna there are houses all the way to not everybody's over at winterfell yet even though sansa was trying to get more and more people over to winterfell they're not everybody's there yet for sure there's one thing i wanted to talk about really quickly that we glossed over um 
how beautiful was King's Landing when the first snow fell and they did that really long panoramic and they kind of went around all of King's Landing before they kicked back out to like, you know, whatever scene they were doing. They made a very poignant move to show all of the, that winter was coming even to the south. And I, I, I really loved it because it, so you got, you got to, I just got a really good sense. And the snow falling on her map was like the biggest thing to me. It was like, oh man. Yeah, it's about just, to cover all of Westeros. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, very poignant. The one thing that I didn't like about that whole thing was that these people that haven't seen snow, most of them for most of their lifetime, if not all of it, aren't even reacting to it. That was the one thing that bothered me. You saw people walking through it like, hey, it's no big deal. Yeah, because one, it could have been refugees or two, like they are in the Cersei mindset. These are Cersei people. They are told to not care about this. It's going to be okay. And they're not caring about it. And it's going to be okay. Um, but yeah, it was, that was a, that was a pretty scene. Uh, Dubrovnik, Croatia looks uh, very beautiful. That's, that's the city uh, that mm-hmm. they actually film the skyline of and then put castles in to make it look like that. But yeah. Nice. <laughs> so we're going to head into hits and misses. Do we want to talk about the hits and misses of the season or this particular show? Uh, I'll just I'm just ready for this episode myself. Okay, all right. So let's talk about the hits or misses for this episode. Uh, Cajun, you can start off. Um, for me, this hit on all of the major things I expect in the Game of Thrones show. It had your big action sequences. It had the intrigue. It had the mystery. Uh, it had epic dialogue. Um, big characters doing big stuff. It had the humor in it as well. Um, it and, and it had the magic. So it, it had all all the things I expect in Game of Thrones as a whole, but in one episode with the entire cast being in focus, um, with even some surprises. I got surprised a few times there, and then we got to see uh, payoff from a lot of the theories and a lot of things that they set up. So for me, I think it hit on all those fronts, and uh, the only thing that it missed was I think this episode and I know I said I wasn't going to do it, but this episode, like I said before, had significant scenes that makes previous episodes worse because if that's the payoff, then we know that the setup was just setup and filler and was didn't have any uh, significance to the plot in the previous episodes. For me, uh, I, I am going to quote uh, Mr. Uh, Chris Two Wolves right here. This is game ass, uh, Game of Thrones ass Game of Thrones. <laughs> it, it was it was a good it was a good episode. I think that it was a a pretty good send off for season seven myself, and I think that it's going. It shows that a lot of <clears throat> excuse me, it's going to show that a lot of stuff is going to happen in season eight and that's just where shit is going to hit the fan. Um, I mean, I already covered the misses and they're very, very minor misses for this, this episode, just little, little nitpick things. And that's about it. But I've been pretty happy with this whole, with this whole ride this season. For this particular episode, it really, I enjoyed the episode, so don't get me wrong. I really liked it. I, I hate that I salt things a lot. But this was very script armor for a lot of characters where people should have and would have died in two seasons, three seasons ago. Jamie would have died three seasons ago. 
like there are people that would have gone that would have gone down Tyrion in that scene he, like Game of Thrones makes you feel comfortable in in a scene where you don't think any anybody's going to die and then they red wedding you they didn't do that at all everybody stayed aside from Littlefinger and Littlefinger to me is not a major character he's yep. still he's a subplot character and so we saw it coming no, a lot of, a lot we, of people yeah. saw it coming a yeah. mile away and, how yeah. it happened was the difference but a coming was almost inevitable so something has to happen in season eight. i mean none of these people are are script proof through season eight people have to die i'm just shocked that they, they didn't take down a major character i get that they couldn't do it because of the last episode and everybody had to come together in this really big meeting but man it would have been nice to see Tyrion or somebody just go down like to me, I think Tyrion is the most expendable, or Jaime is the most expendable of the people that could have could, could have died, and people wouldn't have felt. I mean, because Jaime's already lived through the middle of this season on something where he should have died to begin with. So if he, if they would have chopped his head off and the, and the mountain would have taken him down, I've been like, yeah, well, that's 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 life. Arya's going to take care of business anyway later, and 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 moved on about it. But that's that's the thing that that kind of struck me about this this episode and the season as a whole they just didn't have the balls to take out people and i don't understand why because game of thrones does that so i'm not really sure what they were holding holding things for if you count the number of deaths of semi-major america minor characters we lost Littlefinger, right and we lost what thoris uh and that was it that i mean literally that's all we've lost all season two people and a bunch of red shirts yeah, yeah. and don't that's not that's not game of thrones to me that's Don't not dick on we did lose him oh, Dickon, <laughs> yeah dick, dick and his dad <laughs> yeah. so what are some theories what are some things moving forward into season eight and oh no, me, no previous theories with what are some of the previous oh theories yeah that we, oh okay previous series go yeah yeah previous series things we hit on things that we missed on let's go with the same same occasion okay uh so stuff uh called last week but it was in the main show discussion uh, was that Arya not being herself, uh, and she was gonna get? She was doing this to get Sansa's permission to kill Littlefinger, and so I called that one. Uh, I didn't call the rest of my theory along those lines, but I did get that part of it. Uh, me and Jeff both called uh, in the episode "Blue Flames from the Dragon," and then uh, and I, I did say the Night King is gonna melt the wall with the dragon, but I think that was after a while. Most people just were like, "Yeah, that's kind of why it's there." Um, let's see. I, um, I'm still 50 50 because it hasn't happened yet, but Bran tells John about his parentage. Uh, that's coming. One big one was, uh, I, I'd even kind of picked up some of y'all's, but I had said at the beginning, uh, Jamie leaves Cersei and goes north to join the army and, and to be, cause he's the only general who can lead. And uh, he's oh, sorry, he's the best general of anybody that's left in the show. And he leaves Cersei to go up there. And I called that, I think, episode one. And I, I was surprised that that happened because all the stuff leading to Jamie killing Cersei might still happen. But it, it's going to have to take a full circle for it to even come down that route. Um, uh, a lot of us called this as well. Something in the, pa- uh, the paper Samuel was just describing was going to be important and that it was going to be having stuff about White Walker, uh, Dragonglass, and John's parentage was in the papers is what I predicted. And that was for sure there. But a lot of us were calling that too. And I completely missed the Littlefinger, Arya, Sansa thing. I said Littlefinger was going to be dead. Sansa won't know and Arya, Arya will wear his face. I missed that one by a mile. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. I whiffed that one hard. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Um, so 
basically, like, I guess, I guess my previous theories, I, I bent the knee done. I still think that maybe, uh, something still stuff hasn't really come through for, uh, fruition with like the whole Varus thing. He was really scarce in this season. Maybe he'll be bigger next season. And maybe he has been like, no, Chris, you were saying that he's a, a double agent. Um, I think that that could definitely still play a big part. Um, mm-hmm. There was a Mascendi sighting. She's yeah, been away so for four, still, four yeah. episodes. She showed up in this one for like 30 seconds. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah, so yeah, that, I, I piggybacked you on that one too, Jeff. The, the virus yeah. is the leak theory. Um Let's see. You had any I, more, or Chris? I I didn't have any. Like I shot my wad last ep- last week. I hit got on so like, many, so, so <laughs> yeah. many that like I there was not a whole lot I had left in the in the. There's not a left in the chamber. So, yeah, you um, John snowed got, on a boat last week, right? Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I've got a few for what's upcoming, and I have some ideas or th- some thoughts and processes that I think are going to happen in season eight. I think we all do. Um, yeah. The fact that they're going to start literally in about a month and a half shooting is hope that there could potentially be a late 2018 but more likely an early 2019 showing of game of thrones my guess is they're not going to go the full extent of what this episode was i don't think they're going to go an hour and a half to an hour and 40 minutes on these shows but i feel like somewhere in the middle maybe an hour to 10 to an hour you know what i mean somewhere between that is where they're going to hit a full a full yeah a full length feature air quotes for hbo is anything over an hour so they're going to call all of these full-length features, but I don't feel like they're going to be anything more than maybe an hour and 15 or an hour and 20 minutes. But that's great. What I think might happen, and this is my first season eight prediction, is they're going to go above the six episodes and they're going to go to eight episodes. I feel like that the fan outcry of, hey, there's more for you to say, don't condense it and shortchange us, is going to extend the season out from a six-episode season to an eight-episode season. Okay. Um. My next theory is that Arya takes Littlefinger's face and goes to Cersei because they're because she's already knows Littlefinger and she's able to get in because Littlefinger is going to say he knows information from the North, and that's how Arya potentially could take out Cersei. Yes, yeah, you've always been on the Arya uh, killing Cersei camp. <laughs> yes, well, want, uh, Arya wants to so bad. But I yeah. think this is a great way to get in because Cersei is already knows Littlefinger, and Littlefinger's slimy. Cersei's slimy, but Cersei doesn't have a lot of friends, so maybe she's willing to listen, especially if he says, "Hey, I can tell you things about Sansa from the North," and then blah blah blah, you know, and then then she can work her way in. And the other thing is, Jorah was once part of the Golden Company. I don't know if the Golden Company is going to defend so much. Even the pay of what Cersei is saying, if they find out the, about the dead, they don't know about the dead because they're coming across the water, so they have no idea. Perhaps people who know who know them or who know people who are in that group may be able to turn them, and you may find that the, that the Golden Company ends up turning for the North and or Jon Snow and Daenerys and fighting the big battle for them as opposed to Cersei. Mm, that would be a good reason why to keep Jorah alive right there. Yes. Playing that so the, those are my big theories. Nice. Jorah left in bad uh, 
and bad graces with the gold company though but you Maybe always but you always it. have yeah. friends do you know what i mean like you have one or two yeah. buddies that who are like who will stand up for you a little bit even if you leave in a shitty situation yeah he left in bad uh bad company in a bad situation with daenerys too but he was able to get back in her camp mm-hmm. yeah that's so. true yeah, but he had to go through a lot of shit to be able to do that. Yeah, oh, but, but twice. So like one, the second time he left with the dragon scale was just to get sick. But he left the first time. Like if I see you again, you're dead. Yeah. One yeah, last theory is that is I think the Night King is gone by episode four. I don't think he's the major plot point in this entire series for season right. eight, and I think he's out quick because they have to show what the aftermath of good versus evil is. And the yeah. or how things end up in Westeros and you know whatever not. So I don't think he's along for the ride for all of it because good versus evil against a, a, a somebody who doesn't speak or is basically there as a, a plot point. Like he does, he doesn't serve a, a big purpose. So I think he disappears because the major thing is Cersei and not him, and they have to show the aftermath of that. Gotcha. All right, Jeff, you got some for season eight? Yes, I do. So. This is like in direct contention with you, Cajun. Um, I think that we're going to lose all of the Lannisters next season. Dang. Cer- Cersei will ke- kill Tyrion. Jamie will kill Cersei. The Mountain will kill Jamie. That's then- actually that's actually that's actually not in contrast to my theory. That is like the exact theory i have oh was that yours is that yours did i say I, i'm sorry yeah did yeah I say you i meant i meant two wolves <laughs> okay i am the only person on the R- I, was, I was gonna say i, I was like only, i'm, I'm the only person on the R- i usually i usually don't drink during these but i thought i would join you guys so <laughs> no, no, yeah. um except the uh, i the my catalyst for jamie killing cersei is the um uh, her doing something immoral in battle, not killing Tyrion. I thought she was going to do it this episode, and that was going to be the immoral thing. But my original theory was she did something immoral in battle. But my other one is um, this one's just like a really big shot in the dark. But what if the the Night King isn't bad? Oh, you're talking about him him being uh, being Bran or being controlled what, by Bran? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. What if he's just going all the way down there to destroy something that they don't know about, like the children of the forest? And the children of the forest are actually the big antagonists this whole time, and we had no idea. What? Whoa. Oh, that's crazy. That's mind effing right there. That would totally flip. That's Game of Thrones ass Game of Thrones. Like that, that would totally flip the whole thing on its script. Because no, he goes, no, he goes straight to King Landing and kills Cersei. Because remember my big plot hole last week? She's the queen he, of the. No, he has the spear. He's like, I'm going to throw the spear at the this tough to hit dragon flying when there's a dragon right in front of him, closer with Daenerys and John, everybody bad on it. What if he's like, no, I can't kill Targaryens. I gotta kill. I'll, I'll just get me a dragon. What if that's that was the reason behind it? What oh. if the person that was turned was a first a Targaryen? Hmm. 
Oh. Like one of the first men, the first men was a Targaryen or something. The one that was turned way so back when. They just hate Lannisters in their blood. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that could have also. Blood. That could have been why they were surrounding the lake, too. And he, they might have just sent uh, them in because they were throwing rocks and would have killed everybody except Jon Snow at that point. The reason oh. why I'm thinking about. Yeah, and the reason why I'm thinking this way is because who turned the White Walkers? Who created the the White Walkers? The children children of the forest. And the people that write history are the winners. The children of the forest were the winners at first, with the first men. So the only history that we know is that. Uh, I I like that twist. All right. So you got any more? Are you good? That's a that uh, like that's all I got. I got two, and I'm okay. good. Does anybody now. think Bran wards wargs a, a dragon? I no, feel possibly. like this is going to happen. No, if it's a white, if it's the, if it's the white dragon, possibly because it would be of simpler mind because it's dead. Maybe he could do that because it's an animal, and he's only been able to really ward animals. That yeah. we haven't tried anything dead yet. Okay. Yeah, because I, I think John and Daenerys are going to be your dragon riders, and it's more of a riding thing. I don't think he wargs a dragon. Uh, he might be able to, but uh, but on terms of the dead stuff, I don't think he can warg any dead because they're already being warged by the White Walkers and the Night King. So I don't think you can have two wargings at the same time. As you, can, as, as you can see, every episode, I feel like Bran can warg anything. So like I just, I'm like, hey, Bran can warg this. He can warg that. Yeah, that's what all the theories on Bran is like. You give somebody magic powers that aren't well defined, then we just make all of them up. Which is why he's not in a lot of the show. Because if you brought Bran in, he would know ninety percent of what the hell's going on. So you can't let him leak everything, all of your show plots. So like you have to like literally keep him. Yeah, you have to leave him. You have to leave that already. So I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, exactly. They leak their show plots no matter what. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. The thing is, is that we keep thinking of Bran as just the uh, just a warg, which are even what wildlings could do. Wildlings have been wargs as well, but he's been telling us something a lo- uh, that he is something completely different. The three-eyed raven. Three-eyed raven. Three raven. <laughs> so I mean, we don't know the full extent to his powers, and the three-eyed raven wasn't able to train him for all too much. So he's basically flying off of the. Uh, off the cuff right now trying right. to figure it all out all right nice theories all right so uh some of mine that i had made earlier that are going to be continuations into season eight theories was uh one that a lot of people hated sansa kills john um be- and so that one i said it and i can't delete it from my list because i said it on air but that one's still there i'm feeling less strong about it now but uh jamie uh, gets uh, with Sansa to lead the Army of the North. So uh, he goes up for her, and he gets there before uh, the rest of them there, and he leads the Army of the North. Uh, so yeah, Varys is the leak. That was an add-on to Jeff's theory. Uh, Cersei's not pregnant. Continuing, that one's still waiting on it. Uh, Cersei kills Daenerys. I was weak on that one. I'm still weak on it, but if somebody kills Daenerys, it's Cersei um in an army type scenario not by her own hand uh jamie's trying to kill himself was another theory 
Um, and then also I had that theory. That, that was the one I was talking about was that uh, Jamie kills Cersei, but he dies shortly thereafter. Bran is Bran the Builder. And then let's see, Jeff. Um, if he finish yours, I'll I'll put mine after yours. Okay, uh, my little thing. Uh, season eight, this one's more funny thing. We're gonna see, I think, because they were they were taken so well. We're gonna see many more odd couples walking and talking. So like, look at yeah. these people. They don't, they don't belong together. They're gonna walk and talk and say funny stuff together. They're gonna use that as their traveling dialogue instead of uh, these long train rides and stuff like that or boat rides. Um, so the other one uh, we mentioned a little bit, but Tyrion made a dirty deal with Cersei, which most likely won't be affected by uh, Jamie's information. So he'll find out about it, but whatever deal he did still holds, even though Cersei's not sending her army up. Uh, and I think because that has to do with more of the baby or fake baby he thinks is there. And the last one, Brienne's going to fall hard for Jamie, but Jamie's going to fall in love with Sansa instead. And this is going to complicate J- uh, Brienne's oath. And so she's going to uh, have a question between her loyalty and her love for Jamie. Uh, and this love triangle is going to be really ugly. But I thought what did Brienne it? say? Fuck loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought about the Brienne and Jamie thing. I did not think about the Sansa thing. That's awesome. The love triangle thing is awesome. Yeah. Like that to- that would catch me off guard. Um, one thing I want to talk about real fast. Uh, uh, Jeff, you had something to say. Go ahead. Yeah. So uh, another theory, uh, and it's not – I said this last episode as well. I think that this is going to be – season eight is going to be a lot like uh, the Deathly Hallows, ep- uh, book seven and seven and eight of the of the movies of Harry Potter where – so many people die. So many characters will die. And it it's going to be a shocking amount. It's not going to be all of them, but it will be a lot of them. Yeah, it's going to be back writing. It's like, who's living at the end of this? And then, all right, we have six episodes to kill all of these people. How do they go? Mm-hmm. A, a great way to get rid of Danny, when you were talking about Danny dying, is to die during childbirth. Yeah, so we'd, have, if, we'd have to fast forward both of those to happen that way. We have mm. to fast forward both uh, time for both Cersei and Daenerys to well, to get them. I yeah, but Cersei could be lying about the childbirth. In, in that's general, true, that's right? true. That's true. Right? That, that's that's the prevailing theory. Uh, is that? But for her to yeah. die in childbirth and to kill her off in that way wouldn't be somebody killing her, killing her, killing her. But she would die in a very noble. I'm giving birth to John's next to the heir, the heir to the throne. The, the question's always been from, from Tyrion, who's your heir to the throne? And mm-hmm. her dying to give birth to the heir to the throne because it's John's son would be a big to do, and it would be a great way to send her out. And that's also why John takes the throne. Take, yeah, there you go. He, there's no fighting against who takes the throne. She just dies. And there's a baby left behind. Yep who's the uh, next heir which okay. would be a really which would be a really nice send-off yeah but that would that would have to be episode six yep in there because we have to be nine months down the mm-hmm. line from right yep. now and, and like i said i feel like i feel like they're gonna they're gonna add they're gonna add some extra to this i don't feel i feel like there's been enough outcry from fans about it that that that's the case right but i feel like we're getting a little long in the tooth i think we've hit every every plot point I mean, really, we're just guesstimating now from a year and a half of what's going to be occurring. So 
I feel I know for a fact that if you haven't caught all of our episodes, that we tend to do mega episodes. So I'm sure at some point this would be awesome because it'd be great to see like what we hit as we're doing it per episode, which would be fantastic for me. Yeah. Like, uh, just I mean, all, just the three of us have been on all seven, all seven. So all seven episodes we've been on. Uh, we've had some contributors along the way. I know Damien's been on a few. I know Paul's been on one. So it's it's really cool. But it's really nice because we can play off of each other because we've been oh, talking. Fouts was. Oh, Fouts was Fouts. Fouts hopped yeah. in on. Did Fouts hop yeah, in Fouts on hopped one? in on the one that oh, I oh, yeah. uh, uh, had to bounce out of because of my audio. Yeah. We've we've so, had a single Cajun episode uh, and our episode. Um, yeah, I just couldn't thing. go to bed that night. I was just like, I was so like, I have three pages of notes and I couldn't say anything. <laughs> I'm going to record it so, myself. <laughs> like, this is what Westworld should have been. So... <laughs> um, I, I will be joining for Westworld as yeah. well, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that we're going to have a lot of voices <laughs> on the Westworld <laughs> one. For sure. That's good. Once we hit major things, we'll talk about them. You know, I don't know what the what our next big thing is going to be, but we'll figure it out. And when we do, we'll talk about it. Um, but where can people find you at, Jeff? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Jeff Barry. That is T H E G E O F F B A R R Y. You can also find me on the Nerdentials podcast. Just Google Nerdentials, and you'll see you'll see them on soundcloud on itunes we actually just released an episode about top 10 platformers uh so go and check that out it was a pretty good list a fun episode and yeah uh you will also find me on all of the other geekologist stuff that happens derek where can people find you at caucasian saint all one word on twitter and uh next week i you can find me at pax west with a microphone in hand interviewing people and i hope to bring some of that audio back and interviews back so uh, uh see me actually in two weeks time after that you can find me at two wolves t-w-o-w-o-l-v-z-z uh, thank you for joining us for the last seven episodes. It's been our pleasure to uh, talk about Game of Thrones. Uh, we are enthusiasts. We love to talk about the things that we enjoy. Uh, and we'll continue to do that with other episodes of different things. For Geekologist Radio and Ninja Pancake Family and Podcasts, we are Meowt. Meowt.